Yo, what's going on, guys? Welcome back to the First in Tech podcast. I'm your host, sports editor Camden Spate. I'm assistant sports editor Nicholas Schnicker. And I'm video editor Jalen Harrington. We got a lot of things to talk about today. We're going to get to some soccer, uh, both professional and at NC State, as well as volleyball and back to football. That's where Jalen comes in a whole lot. But for now, like we're going to start every podcast, we're going to talk about something from the sports world. And this week, I've decided to talk about Oklahoma football and their quarterback situation. The last three, the last two years have been Heisman winners and uh, and Baker Mayfield and Kyler Murray. This year, they have Jalen Hurts uh, back in potentially competing for that Heisman Trophy as well. And is there any chance that uh, Oklahoma is QBU over NC State in the future? They're Heisman U, as my brother put it in our group message. That's true. Andrew Schnitker did say Heisman U. Jalen, what do you think? Uh, Heisman U, yes. QBU, no, man. I mean, NC State has, what, five quarterbacks in the NFL? How many of which start? Uh, you got three, Russell Wilson, Philip Rivers, Jacoby Brissett now. Yeah. Finley I mean, looks like he probably could take over for Andy Dalton at some point this season. That's happen. an interesting story because Andy Dalton hasn't been quite as explosive recently, and not that Ryan Finley is any explosive, but his preseason <laughs> stats are really good. I mean, I think Andy Dalton has one bad game. There's a good chance the coach just says, you know, Finley, do what you can do. With a veteran, though, I'm not quite as sure with how long he's been there, but there is potential there for no, sure. No, there's a clear strategy with Andy Dalton. You let him get you through the regular season, and then when the playoffs right. come, you put Ryan Finley in. Exactly. Because Dalton sucks in the playoffs. There you go. Yeah, but we saw how badly Ryan Finley performed in the bowl game he played last year. We're not I mean, about that. Yeah. <laughs> I don't want to bring up All the, I'm saying that is I went to that game as a State fan, and the highlight of that game for me was getting on TV. So yeah, no, I, I just don't want to bring up the PTSD that state fans have about that <laughs> game. I want to collectively just shovel, uh, you know, some some dirt over that and forget it ever happened. Well, quickly talking about that, uh, Hertz is a transfer, obviously, from Alabama and Tua took over there. There's kind of like this thing going on in college football with players transferring, and there's a lot of NCAA rules where it's they have to pick who gets to go in for the next year and who has to sit out a year. Is there any potential that we see now in professional sports to be like a free agency almost where no one has to sit out a year? And like, what do you guys think about the whole transfer portal? I think it, it's fine to an extent. I think if you've got somebody jumping ship every single year, that's not really going to be good. But if a guy wants to transfer once, you know, let him. Sometimes a school isn't the right fit for him or something you know, really out of his control happens. But if you get a guy that goes from one school, transfers to another, loses a starting spot, and get, decides to transfer again, I, I don't like that. I think once you've, you could use up like one free transfer, and then you've got to sit out a year if you want to do it again. I mean, I think for pants, for pants, for fans of college football, you have to be, you know, more okay with transfers getting you know, gain the ability to transfer somewhere and immediately play because it increases the parity. You know, most of these players who transfer are transferring because they can't play, right? So a five-star commits to Alabama and he thinks he's going to play immediately. No, you're stuck behind three other five-stars. So he wants to leave and go to maybe a Kentucky where he knows he's going to play. You know, that's good for the game, and it kind of hurts the big teams at the top that want to hoard all of that talent and just stomp everybody. So I'm for it. That's my thing. It's it's like I hate seeing players transfer 
and boom, even more so, I hate seeing them having to sit out because these are college guys just like, you know, me and you guys and all NC State um, students. But, you know, these guys are trying to make a name for themselves and they only have a certain number of years to do it. So, if you know, they're going to be stuck behind someone like a lot of quarterbacks do when they get to big universities. So if they want to transfer out, I think that's fine by me. It'll be interesting to see um, how... Jalen Hurts continues to do this season. Obviously, the opener was quite a show with you know three rushing and three passing touchdowns. But um, anyway, we're going to get off of that topic and get into some soccer, which is our main topic today. Nicholas, that is where, why you are here. You've been covering all NC Courage and NCFC as well as keeping up with men's and women's soccer more than anyone else basically on our staff. So... Um, we're going to start on the professional side. So, um, you know, NC Courage coming out of an international break. So what's going on with them? So they're still in the international break right now. The U.S. Women's National Team is actually playing right now as we're recording this. And four of the five Courage players that are on their roster for this international break are starting in that game. All four of the ladies that won the World Cup with them, Abby Dahl Kemper, Crystal Dunn, Sam Lewis, and Jess McDonald, all starting in that game. Kristen Hamilton's on the bench. You know, she got her first senior women's national team call up for this tournament she would didn't play in the first game but she has an opportunity to get her cap off the bench her first cap off the bench in this game so it'll just be interesting to see if jill ellis decides to play her tonight i could see it happening just to get her her first cap frankly but you know once they come out of that break the first game back is going to be at sky blue on this saturday they played sky blue once this year i remember paul riley talking about it that game a few games later down the road, and he was talking about a lot of teams have come to Salins and really played defensively and tried to just prevent them from playing their style. And Sky Blue is one of the teams he named as doing that. So it'll be interesting to see if they kind of play a little more openly in their home field or if they know this Courage team is that good that they're going to have to sit back if they want to hope for a result. I mean, they got a 0-0 draw to that game, so fair play to them. It's just not the kind of soccer you want to watch. Says they they currently sit in second place, five points back of the Portland Thorns. Is that a you know reachable distance to catch Portland? Yes, because if I'm not mistaken, they have a game in hand as well on Portland because of the WICC, which kept them out of a couple of league, a league game or two uh, back a couple of weeks ago when they were playing against Man City and Lyon. So it it definitely is. I think they're a better team than Portland. But they had a lot more players gone for the World Cup than Portland did, which I think hurt the courage a little bit. But now that they've got kind of everyone back from the World Cup and starting to fire, I mean, Jess McDonald was great in the ICC. You had Sam Mewis's back playing really, really well. Dunn just adds another element to their midfield because when you have just Dabinia in that midfield, it gets a little predictable. I mean, Zerboni's really good, but she's not quite as good as Dunn, so you get kind of some more ability across the midfield when you have Dunn in there. And then Dahlkemper next to Abby Erseg is probably the best center back com- combo in the league. So it'll be really – they'll make the playoffs for sure. I mean, they'd have to drop out a fifth to not make the playoffs. Whether they'll be first going into that or second, you know, that's a little more debatable. But they'll make it deep in the playoffs again. And uh, moving on to NCFC – 
currently sit, sitting in sixth place, but only three points out of third in the Eastern Conference. So really tight standings there. What is what does the the next couple weeks look like for them? Well, the problem with them is the teams that sit above them have as many as like five games in hand or two to four games in hand on them. There's I believe it's Indy have just an absolute ton of games in hand for some reason. So that's really a problem for them to move up the table. It's going to be really difficult with all those games in hand. But they've had a couple of guys that have really been standouts this year. First of them is Stephen Miller. He's got nine goals, six assists. He's been captaining the team quite a bit as the captain's been in and out of the main like club captain's been in and out of the squad a little bit with injury. So it's been really good to see him play as well as he has. He kind of plays off, drifts in off that left. He'll sometimes play on the right if they've got Chester or Iwolo playing out on the left. But another guy that's been playing really well for them is Dre Fortune. He's played both as kind of a box-to-box mid, but where he's really shined is in that 10 role. And he's shined enough, he's actually gotten a call-up. He got called up today to the Trinidad and Tobago national team for their uh, upcoming uh, qualifier for the uh, CONCACAF Nations League. That's his. As far as I could tell, that was his first call-up to the national team for them. So that's really big news for him. He's got seven goals and one assist, and his goals have just been absolutely great. He's really found his touch from outside the box. And there's some, you know, NC State players on there, you know, whether still they're graduated. So what do you see from them? Are they playing? Are they contributing? Yeah, so you've got three on the roster. You've got Caleb Duvernay, who's kind of a backup defender. He's been in and out a little bit with some of the injuries they've had defensively, but he's more of kind of a squad rotation player. Uh, Nazmi Abawadi was out for a little while with some personal stuff, but he's back and he's playing really well. He plays in that same box-to-box role that Dre was playing before he got kind of pushed up the field more. And then you've got Manny Perez, who was out injured for a while, but he's looked really good since coming back. And Sarachin is really high on him. He's speaking very highly on him. He has said he's in their plans going forward. So that'll be interesting to see what he does. He's obviously, you know, on loan from Celtic. So he got that big move last December. So it'll be interesting to see what he does the rest of this year. Very cool. So now moving on to, you know, more NC State focus. Men's soccer, 2-0 in exhibition play. Both 2-1 wins. One at UNC and the other one at home against VCU. And then started 1-1 one one in the regular season, beating Loyola. And then just recently lost in overtime to St. John's. Uh, went, in, went scoreless into overtime. So um, what have you seen from that new formation in men's soccer? Yeah, so Kiefer's kind of running this 3-4-2-1 this year, which is very different from his 4-3-3 last year. But it's really good. It's a really versatile formation. They can change it up when needed. You know, if one of the outside mids, whether it's Foster or Ivy Brisma, drops back and one of the, the opposite center back moves over a little bit, it becomes quickly into a 4. If both wingers kind of drop back, it quickly becomes a 5 in defense. So they've got a lot of options with what they can do. Uh, it's really good going forward because you've got Kuda Musque playing up top. He didn't play at all last year, but he has been absolutely – he's looked fantastic. He's like 6'2", I think. He's just a real presence going forward. And then you've got sitting behind him Gabriel Machado and Davi Loera, who's arguably the two stars of this team, especially Loera, ranked like number two on the top drawer soccer like watch list for college players this year. He is just so much fun to watch. Yeah, him, he's one of the – you know, my favorite players watching on the field, you always running around, very scrappy player. You look at, um, at you know, the goalie situation with Leon Krop. He kind of went down with injury, I believe, against Loyola. Yeah. Um, so 
Is he close to being back? Do we know? And who's taking his place? We haven't heard anything from Kiefer really about it. I had asked him after the Loyola game about like what the actual issue was with Croft, and obviously with him just being injured half an hour before, he didn't really know. He said after that game, Croft was feeling better. I think he said when he asked him, he said he was feeling good, which can mean you know a lot of different things. It didn't look good when he went down. I couldn't exactly see what happened because on the play where he went down, they had kind of a pass right in front of him that beat him, and then the Loyola player had a wide-open goal, and I was watching that. The guy somehow missed, and then I look over, and Crop's just down on the floor, kind of you know, face down. He ends up getting carted off and ends up with just sitting with his foot up on the bench the rest of the game. But Vinny Durand, who's a redshirt senior, he made his debut in that Loyola game when he came in. He's looked pretty good. He had a really, really impressive penalty save in that in overtime in the St. John's game. And it wasn't a difficult or it was a difficult penalty save too, you know. It was a hard shot. And he got over to it quickly enough to save it. So I think, you know, losing Croft is gonna hurt. He played every minute of last year. If he misses any kind of significant time, that's gonna be difficult. But I think they've got a safe pair of hands in Duran that they can trust. So men's soccer's back in action against Longwood on Friday, September sixth. Moving to women's soccer, who is they've had a really exciting beginning of the season. Um, exhibition match was a 4-2 win over College of Charleston. Um, and now they've started 2-1 and one in the regular season. The opener was uh, at number 15, South Carolina. Lost 2-1, but since come back and beat number 7, Georgiatown, 3-1, and winning their third game um, against Monmouth. So, you know, two ranked opponents... In the first three games, all three of them on the road, a tough, you know, opening schedule. So what have you seen from them and how how good is the women's soccer team? Well, they had an absolutely fantastic signing class. Players like Tony Starova, who's come in, you know, she's got ten full caps for the Czech national team. When you get a player that's a sophomore and has ten national team caps, you know you have somebody special. She transferred in from Delaware. Um, King has looked as good as she ever has. You know, she's an absolutely fantastic player. Unfortunately, she got a red card against Monmouth. She's going to be missing their next game. But somebody else that's looked really good this year is defender Chrissy Schuster. And she's got two goals, both of the match winners. Coming into this year and I think both of the match winners. I know at least one is. The goalkeeper that has uh, she's taken a really, lot of the records really for and the biggest this women's soccer program. She was absolutely fantastic last year and the year before. And replacing her was always going to be a big ask. But Jessica Berlin has looked absolutely fantastic. Angle, you know, she's got a penalty save and she's just looked really good. So women's soccer will play Iowa at home on Thursday night, which is the day this comes out. Um, so hopefully that they get a big win win there. We're gonna touch on volleyball real quick, uh, who just started the season two and zero, beat Austin P in straight sets and then beat Kansas State three to one. Um, Melissa Evans had over twice as many kills as the next highest player during the doubleheader with 33. So volleyball off to a really hot start. Um, And they will face VCU, UC Santa Barbara, and Alabama at the 2019 VCU Invitational this weekend. So a lot of good things happening there and a hot start for them. Going to move to um, football, which is the big talk of pretty much every sports fan at this time of year. And, you know, we're going to bring back in Jalen, um, who has been a little bit quiet during the soccer <laughs> stretch. But, he, he does not like the football. He just likes the football. Yeah, there's a lot of different types of football. Jalen's just on, on the American version. I'm ready for the real football. Oh, man. 
We're not going to have an argu- a hand egg soccer argument here, okay? Not right as now. As much as I like football, I like them both, but we're not going to have this argument we today. We have a different argument that we can have in a second, don't worry. <laughs> maybe we can start talking about um, if a puck is a ball. But maybe I'll keep that, <laughs> maybe I'll keep that for the next episode because you know, that could go on for a while. But uh, NC State beat ECU at home 34-6. to a uh, pretty good start from uh, Matthew McKay, twenty-seven for th- or twenty-five for thirty-seven, three hundred eight yards, and one touchdown in the air on the ground. Six rushes for thirty-five yards and two touchdowns. Uh, Jalen, we've been having this discussion: Is Matthew McKay a dual threat quarterback? I will stand by what I've said earlier. He is not dual threat. He's just black. Please explain what that <laughs> yeah, means. Please, please explain what you mean before we get some very angry comments. Right. So NC State has three really good quarterbacks on their roster. There's Matt McKay. There's Devin Leary. There's Bailey Hockman. It's my belief that Devin Leary and Bailey Hockman are just as athletic as Matt McKay is. But only Matt gets that dual threat tag. Now, yes, Matt runs RPOs, right? Every quarterback in college runs runs RPOs, you know? But look at that stat line again. He threw the ball 37 times. You know, that's not exactly what you do with a dual threat quarterback. You know, Matt McKay is pass first. He's a pocket passer. And if you force him out of the pocket, he will run. You know, who else did that? Ryan Finley. We don't call him dual threat. Any quarterback who gets forced out of the pocket is going to run, right? What's his other option? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> take, a, take a knee. Right. Yeah. So, so my point is every quarterback is capable of running, right? That's not what makes you dual threat. It's the reliance on your legs that makes you dual threat. And I don't think that Matt has that. I think that Matt is a great pocket quarterback. You know, I'm kind of in between on this because, you know, two of his touchdowns came on the ground. Obviously, that's not a huge deal. He okay. did throw 37 times. I agree with that. One of those was not meant to be him running into well, the end zone. That's yes. too. That yes. second one, one was he, he said he meant to hand it off to Ricky. Ricky wasn't yeah, there, the so he side. just went after the blockers, and it worked but somehow. I don't yeah. think a dual-threat quarterback has to necessarily be he rushes 10 to 15 times a game. I feel like it can also mean he's just really smart when he runs and when he chooses to run. And that can be just as effective as how fast he is. And he's he's a pretty fast guy. We're looking at his 40 times, and um, it's like, what, just, just behind, just behind Cam, Cam Newton, Cam Newton yeah. or something? So. Well, it depends on which time you go with. There's a time around 4-6, and there's a time that's closer to 4-8. We'll so go with 4-6. <laughs> we'll, we'll give him the benefit of the doubt on that so one. So talking about the running game, uh, Zonovan Knight had his debut, nine rushes for 42 yards and a touchdown, which came on his first carry. And then Jordan Houston at six for 35. And then Ricky Person had five for 20 and then the reception for 45 yards, um, which is a really big play, got state into the red zone. But it looked like Zonovan Knight really got going and Ricky Person kind of didn't for the most of the game. So is it still going to be Ricky Person heading that running attack or how will we see this play out? I, I think Ricky got a bit and got something, a little small injury at some point in that game because he was sitting for a long while between towards the middle of the second quarter and towards middle of the third. And it could be just Dave Dorn doesn't want to like test any injury yeah. at all, and they didn't need him to win that game, so I understand that too. So was it just getting the new guys some playing time? Look, guys, I told you last week, Sodom is going to be an All-American. No, That's true, you did. Uh, you, did. You, you did call it. We'll give you that one. No, all jokes aside, I mean, Zonovan Knight, um, is probably the best back that NC State has. Um, Ricky Person is the most senior back. And 
as you've seen with NC State in the past, the senior back will get the start, you know, and he might get more carries in the red zone and get the touchdowns. But for the most part, you know, the better back's going to get the carries. And that's what happened when you see that Zonovan led the team with nine rushes. I mean, and they're also just spraying the ball around. I mean, Jordan Houston, you already said, had six for 35. I mean, Matt had six for 35. The big point isn't who's carrying the ball. It's what they're doing as a team. You know, they had 191 yards on 6.2 yards per carry. You know, it doesn't matter who's throwing the ball as long as they're running it well. And everybody ran the ball well on Saturday. Yeah, let's gonna let's look at receiving now. Thayer Thomas, at least for the early part of the game, looked like he was McKay's favorite target. He had a lot of catches over the middle for a while. Yeah, he had six catches for 83 yards and a ton of targets. Um, Ameka came on at the end and had seven catches for 70 yards, so he kind of caught up there. Tabaria Hines, a great debut with NC State, four catches, 74 yards, and a touchdown. Um, the big news, uh, Dave Dorn announced at his press conference, C.J. Riley is out for the season, um, kind of covering a punt on special teams. Um, well, let's talk about that and what the receiving game is going to look like without him. What what you miss with him is height and size. You know, a lot of the other receivers are not big guys. But the guy coming in to replace him is a similar size to Riley. It's just going to be whether his ability is the same. Yeah, no, I think one of State's deeper positions was wide receiver. And a guy like Devin Carter, I mean, you saw him come in last week on Saturday. He immediately has a catch for about 15 yards, you know. I think State is in good hands even if they don't throw to Devin Carter. I mean, you've got Thayer Thomas, who he just kills nickels on slants. you got Emeka Amezi, who has great body control and will catch pretty much anything you throw at him. And then you've got Tabari Hines, who he's just unfair, man. I mean, that's a starting caliber receiver, and you throw him out there against the number four cornerback on the other team, and he, he's uncoverable. Okay. You know, And that's what we saw last week. Okay, Houston can come out of the back and catch passes when he needs to, too. He can line up a wide receiver if he's needed to. Yeah, most definitely. I mean, we saw Houston, you know, in the slot coming over catching passes. And we also saw a couple wrinkles, you know, at times they had Tabari in the backfield to get him up against a linebacker. Then he would motion out, and it's just even more unfair. Yeah, Tabari, we, I think most fans knew as the season went along you'd see more and more of him. But now with C.J. Riley out, we're probably going to see a lot of him. And I think that'll be pretty exciting to watch because he is a really good player and a really good pickup for NC State. Um, Looking at some some stats that I was looking at earlier today, um, ECU did not have a sack. NC State had three. So defensive line still playing well despite mostly just rushing three at most times, right? Yeah, I mean, the transition at 3-3-5 went very, very well for NC State. You know, I expected to see it a little bit. I didn't expect to see it every single down. They came out in it every single down, and, you know, they had a great game. They limited ECU to, I think, 41 rushing yards, and they really took Holden Alice out of his game. Yeah, look at ECU quarterback numbers, um, Holden Aylers, 22 for 39, 168 yards on 22 um, receptions. Um, and Chris Ingram had nine tackles and a pick. Tanner Engel had eight tackles, forced a fumble, had two pass breakups. So 
Uh, looks like you know the defense is playing pretty well, and the secondary is good. Look, not yet. Not yet. Not yet. Okay. Not the yet. secondary <laughs> played well last week, and I am willing to say they aren't worse than last year. That is all I'm willing I, to say. I, I will. I will say from an Ailer standpoint, I feel like that game's a lot different if he doesn't fumble that first play. I know everyone's that on that first drive. I know everyone says you know oh it's one of the first plays of the game that doesn't really matter. But confidence and momentum is a big thing in sports, no matter what sport it is. So I feel like he doesn't fumble there. You know, the secondary doesn't have the confidence they do because they were the ones that forced that fumble. He's maybe a little bit more confident passing and running. I think the game doesn't shake up exactly as it does. I think State still wins by a good margin. I just don't think it's the same game if that doesn't happen. Yeah, I know. And, you know, credit that to NC State's defense. You know, Dave Doran really emphasized throughout fall camp that he wants to create more turnovers. And credit Tanner Ingle, who had an up-and-down year last year. He forced that fumble. He put his helmet right on the ball. I mean, that was no fluke play. It was very, very good by him. And Ingle really flew around the field on Saturday. You know, he had a great game in his move from nickel to free safety. And I think State's got a real gem in him. And Ehlers is a good quarterback. You know? Oh, yeah. yeah. He's not any pushover. Oh, yeah. yeah. And, you know, in terms of ECU is not a strong team, but... If Ehlers put up good numbers, I wouldn't have been surprised. So I feel like the defense handled that pretty well. Moving to this weekend, uh, Western Carolina on Saturday, another, you know, hot noon game, hot 1230 game, whatever it is. Um, NC State comes in. It looks what I found was favorites at 40 and a half points. Does NC State cover that 40 and a half points? And what do you know about Western Carolina? I don't think so. 40 is a lot. I mean, Western Carolina is not a football school. I have family that teaches at Western Carolina, and I will be honest, they're, they've got a couple of decent sports teams. They played state in basketball last year in that men's game at Reynolds, but they're they're not really a sports school so much, and it's not going to be a close game, but I don't know if I would take 40.5. I'm really not a fan of spreads that high, but state will cover that. Western, so? Western Carolina just lost to Mercer. I'm not gonna like completely. Mercer, okay. I'm not gonna really like crap on them, but they're really, really bad guys. 40, 40 Listen, and a half 40 points. That's forty is a lot. That's like almost six touchdowns. Well, here's the thing: when you think about it this way, think about it in terms of the ECU game, right? If ECU only scores six points, Western Carolina's not gonna score. And here's if the thing, though: and we, if you're, we have if you're ECU's wondering, number. We have ECU's number. They've only scored field goals the last two times they've come true. to Carter Finley. That's like, what I'm saying. And Western Carolina is much worse. Is that your bold prediction? That, is it a shutout? Is that what you think? Oh, no, most definitely. There's no way it's a shutout. I be, no. I I I think I think the defense will be extremely shocked. Can, can if we? West, if Western Carolina scores, can we introduce two things to the podcast? Can we get a Jalen hot take counter? <laughs> yeah. So that's that is now three. We've got Clemson. We've got Zonovan Knight All-American, and yeah. we've got NC State will shut out Western. Add one and more. And can we get a record on that? Like every podcast yeah. update on Jalen's hot take record. We'll, we'll have Add to one update more. this I next think podcast. State's offense should easily put 42 on the Western. See, I think, they're, I think they'll put 42 you know, on Western. So I don't they, think Western's getting shut out, though. I think they'll get at wait, least a touchdown. A touchdown? ECU can get a touchdown. Garbage time's a thing, Jalen. Dude, State's third string is better Probably than Western Carolina starters. Does Matt McKay like, come back in the second half? No, How long no. does he play? Well, here's, the well, here's the thing: when you have a quarterback room that State has, you could throw Devin Leary out there, who's your three, and start him, and State would beat East or Western Carolina down. Well, I don't, like I don't disagree with there you. There are levels but that to this college really football game, spread. man. There are levels to this. That's a really Western high Carolina isn't hey, even hey, FBS, remember, man. There's there's levels abs, to this. Abs State wants to be Michigan. That's true. 
This ain't no half state. <laughs> they're they're like twenty miles apart, I think. All right. Look, <laughs> mark my words. Mark my words. They cover that spread. But and do they Western shut them out? Do they shut them out? No. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. No. Western Carolina is right, not so score. That's, we've got four hot takes from Jalen. <laughs> we'll update you all next week on uh, how he's actually doing. Yeah, you guys heard it here first. <laughs> NC State covers, and me and Jalen are starting at quarterback. So. Oh, yeah. <laughs> well, Where am I playing, then? Wait, am I dual I'll threat, guys? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a dual threat. You ever see my face? Oh, yeah, you're Against both West definitely Carolina. dual threats. Yes. Yeah. All right, well, that's all we got for you guys today. Thank you guys for tuning in. Um, we'll, we'll update you guys on everything that's happening and uh, and the going into football next week. Um, again, thanks for listening to the First in Tech podcast. I'm your host, Camden Spate, sports editor. I'm assistant sports editor, Nicholas Schnecker. And I'm Jalen Harrington, video editor. And hot take maker. Of course. <laughs>